Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> A Kiss at the End of All Things. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Justin Fife. There once was a time when the world wasn't so dead when birds had flown the skies and the seasons meant something, before the earth had browned and shrunk like an apple left out in the sun, and long before humanity had turned from an almighty raucous to a mouse's whisper, a long time ago now, once upon a time. The roads were endless and barren. Trotting hoofs echoed and bounced off the hills and the valleys as the night rode on, ever on, one man and his steed alone, There had been a time when the roads had been dangerous. Who knew when a bandit or a group of starving mercenaries would hop out from the bushes and hold up an innocent passerby. But now, the night rode on without fear. There wasn't much to fear when death approached from all sides. Like a puppy in a cage loaded with the most minimal of voltages, that puppy will eventually find a way to sleep. When the pain is all that is known, it is the last thing to be noticed. Dawn turned to day, turned to dusk, turned to night, a repetition. Still he rode on past the skeletons of trees, blackened and dying, past the rivers and estuaries which once had chuckled and flowed with the carefree spirit of a fool, but now which choked and spluttered in the dregs of a dying man's gasp, past the villages and houses that had once been overpopulated, to the point where several families had shared living quarters during the raids, during the riots, 
when the bombs went off and the smog covered the land. They were the first to die, not from the smoke or the smog, from the contagion and infection. It spread like embers amongst cotton fields, burning all in its path, burning, raging, fire. And still they had no name for it. When the knight had emerged from the cave from which he had spent the best part of five years, drinking the water that tripped off the stalagmites, and making meals from the crushed glowworms and blind crustaceans, he had met a few traveling folks out on the road. Men with beards and women with bigger bags beneath their eyes than they held on their backs. Couples that smelled of hopelessness and reeked of despair. And still, they had no name. What name to give to the killer of all things? The attack from the West that was, even now, affecting the wildlife and mutating the world. The knight steadied the steed, paused on the road, waited for the line of ducklings to pass. Gray-brown things they were, with limbs where wings should have been, beaks which looked like the gnarled and twisted roots of a beech tree rather than the mouth of waterfowl, eyes which did not see but looked all the same. One of the ducklings tripped and fell. In a flash, the knight drove a sword through its body, a gentle pop as the steel penetrated some organ which was of little use now. That'd be a snack for later. Maybe for the horse. It would depend how the day would fare. He wasn't sure what it was that drove him on without relent. The knight had been given his quest some years back now, and still the words rang through his mind as though they were fresh from the lips of the king. Go, fare thee out onto the road, and ye shall find your maiden. In the tallest tower upon the highest hill, ye shall find her. Awaken the fair maiden with a simple kiss, release her from her bonds, and ye shall have your kingdom. That had been decades ago now. Who was even to know if the quest still bore any meaning? There had been times along the road, when the knight had removed his helmet and warmed his hands by the fire, questioning the path onwards, doubting the nature of the task. With shaking head, with tears gathering in the corners of his eyes, with violent rages and bruised knuckles, he had toyed with the idea of giving up, of packing it all in and searching for new hope, new meaning. But what else was there? More than that, the man was a knight. It was in his nature to pursue his task until the sun failed to rise and the world crumbled beneath his feet. It was two weeks later when he first glimpsed his prize, the sky awash with the colors of a peach, the clouds were mere wisps of steam from a dragon's snout. Hercules, the knight whispered, patting the steed's neck and looking at the castle on the hill with shimmering eyes. His voice was a croak. He had gotten used to his thirst long ago. We've made it, boy. Dear Lord, we've made it at last. The brambles would have been difficult to navigate had it not been for his armor. He left Hercules some ways back along the road, tied to the withered stump of an old yew. The sun was warm, and he sweated beneath his suit, heart thumping more and more with every inch gained. Through thickets, up dilapidated stairs etched into the hillside, stepping over the rotten corpses of the fallen. Flies hovered and danced in the beating pulse of the fetid stink. Still, he smiled. The doors weren't locked, hadn't been for some time, but the night still knocked. May the master of the house come forth and allow passage he called between cupped hands. 
His voice carried down the hallway, like the ghost of some great tidal wave bouncing off the walls. A haughty chuckle followed, and for the first time in as long as the knight could remember, he had felt something more than misery. He half-jogged along the passageways of the castle, guessing as best he could which stairways would lead to the tower he sought. Up a set of stairs that creaked and complained beneath his feet. And here, another two sets, one leading right, one leading left. The left climbed higher than the right, but the right... He paused, the shadow of the wall disappearing as fast as it had arrived. He had blinked it away, the foreign shape of a man on the far wall. Or had he imagined it? When was the last time he had seen such a thing? After the caves. And then what? In the last four months, he hadn't seen another soul. Indeed, had come to the conclusion that he was alone in the world, never to be bothered, never to find his princess. Could it have been his princess? The knight headed right to where the shadow may or may not have been, more careful than before, sword drawn now. A left turn, through a doorway, taking a right now, ever higher. Occasionally he would glance out the windows and track his progress as he climbed. The sun now had shone at full force on the land. The rolling hills stretched as far as he could see, with forests now speckled and black, like the stubble of some great giant's cheek, where the lakes had been were now acne scars on his face. It was a sad affair, really. The world had shown so much promise once, once upon a time. When he arrived at the door, he knew it was hers. How? Hard to say. It was a feeling you get when everything clicks into place, when destiny tugs at your collar and propels you forward. In the warm shaking of the lamplight, when the world seems holy and right, and you know that tomorrow will come. The knight balled a fist, went to knock, paused. A thousand thoughts crossed his mind. The memories and shadows of years of trials, joys and pains, led him to this one moment. He saw smiles of family and friends. He felt the scars and bruises of the training academy. Burns and broken limbs from the hunting of dragons and trolls, the awful creatures which threatened man and gave his life meaning. The final words of the bearded elder who had held his cheeks with shaking, dying hands and sent the knight forth on his quest. The bombs, the blasts, the heat, the loneliness, the nothing that followed. And now this. The knight took a deep breath, opened the door. The room was bare, but for a bed in the middle, a four-poster thing with a bundle wrapped in blankets. It smelled of damp and moss. There was a cloying sickness in the air. The knight knelt at the side of the bed. He placed a hand on the bundle. It felt cold, hard, like ocean-licked boulders beneath cloth. A tear fell to the floor. He removed his glove, revealing a hand that was almost as skeletal as hers. Bracken, damped in wet paper, as though the merest of pokes might sever the skin. He removed his helmet, revealing a face so gaunt and thin that the word knight would have been embarrassed by its association. Hollow cheeks and sunken eyes, a walking skeleton, slathered in a veil of flesh. Outside he heard Hercules whinny and whine, 
my princess. He breathed, words like a breeze. He pulled at the cloth, wanting to see her so badly that he didn't care of the consequence. She had been dead some time, giving her body enough time to rot and meld with the sheet. And with every tug, the skin came with it, revealing a shape that had once been so beautiful, but which now looked like every other corpse he had seen along the road. A gold locket around her neck. Not wanting to touch her body directly, he hooked the chain with his sword and tugged. The locket was engraved with a beautiful symbol, a clasp to the side. He thumbed it open, and a note tumbled out, floating to the floor. The knight picked it up, unfolded the paper. He grinned. A laugh, involuntary, but there. Of course, the final punishment, and a world turned topsy-turvy. The knight walked to the window and saw her now. The woman, the shadow, the scribe of the note which now was scrunched in a hand shaking with hopeless anger. The real princess, mounting his horse and turning to face the tower. A grin so sweet on her face, it was hard to imagine the venom that it held inside. And then she was off, gone to the wind, riding out of sight. The knight sighed and sat on the bed, his mind muddled and cloudy, at a crossroads. Which way to go? He fell to sleep next to the corpse of God knew who, tears drying on his face as day turned to night. When he awoke, it was with a jump as he realized where he was. He looked at the body beside him and in that moment chose his resolve. It wasn't over yet. He was to find his princess. Dear God, if it meant hunting her to the ends of the earth, until his body dissolved and his heart stopped beating, he would find her. He didn't even flinch as he stood, bent back down and kissed the corpse on the lips. At least that kiss might be enough to keep him going. Even if it hadn't been his princess, he could imagine it was a princess nonetheless. The knight placed his helmet back on his head, put on his gloves, and ran from the tower. He had a princess to find, and she had a substantial head start. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. A Kiss at the End of All Things, which is by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Eric M. Music and Tom Robson. We want your stories. We're looking to get the very best in horror, thriller, and sci fi stories on this podcast, so we want your submissions. We just announced the next three themes of The Other Stories over on our Facebook group. We've got Ancient Egypt, Dinosaurs, and Japan. On top of that, submissions are now open for those themes. Head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash submissions and give it a go. Why not? You might just scare someone silly. Until next time.